This is the On The Line Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the On The Line Podcast, where sports and gambling find harmony. We're on episode two, season one, uh, 2020 NFL season's coming up. NFL draft is uh, officially over um, and there's tons to talk about. Noah, how are you today? Not too bad, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited to get started. Um, So first topic that I think we should talk about is the unexpected pick that the Green Bay Packers had, Jordan Love out of Utah State. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, and it kind of shows what the organization wants to do with Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I still think that he's their guy in Green Bay. I don't. I wouldn't move on from a generational talent like him. I don't know what your opinion is on it, but I mean, Jordan Love. I mean, I don't think he's ready to go in. He only completed like sixty something percent of his passes at Utah State. Right. Right. I. I mean, I agree. I don't think. I don't think he's ready right now. But if you look at it, back in two thousand and five, Aaron Rodgers was drafted, and who was the QB then? Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Right. And Favre started for three years before Aaron Rodgers even got a chance. So I think the pick, you know, they're planning for the future. It, it's, it's, it's really important to have that insurance plan. Um, there's a bunch of teams out there now with aging QBs. I mean, look at the Patriots. They have no one. Right. I mean, Stidham is not going to bring them to a Super Bowl championship. Green Bay thinks that they found their guy. I, I don't know. I think that there were a lot of better picks on the board, though, at that time. Yeah, I mean, they could have addressed a lot of different positions. Everyone thought they were going to go with the wide receiver. They clearly needed a little bit of help there. But, you know, I think, like you said, they're planning for the future here. I mean, Rodgers is signed through at the end of the 2023 season, I believe. So he'd be a UFA in 2024. So I think they're just trying to, you know, improve the position, at least for the backup. Aaron Rodgers, he's not... He's had a couple of injuries. I wouldn't call him injury prone, but in the past couple of years, he's been out with that uh, collarbone injury. And so there's there's some scares there with his age. So at the very least, it's going to be an insurance policy for them while they're trying to make a run for the Super Bowl this year. But like you said, I mean, they could have they could have improved pretty much any other position with that pick. I don't think anyone thought they were going to go with a quarterback there. Right. I, I mean, and if you look at it, you would, you would have to think that Matt LaFleur is trying to change the identity of the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, for the past few years, ever since they made the Super Bowl, their identity has been Aaron Rodgers, passing offense. We're going to move the ball down the field through the air, and you know we'll have a run game, but it won't be that important. But if you notice from last year how the San Francisco 49ers were able to stomp all over the Green Bay Packers, was their run game. Right. You know, the 49ers incorporated a run game. They had like a three-headed dragon in Raheem Mostert, uh, Matt Breida, and Tevin Coleman. Like the power running football that they did over there with a lot of play action, um, a lot of passes to the tight end and George Kittle, they were able to successfully move the ball down the field and put up points. And I think that Matt LaFleur sees that now. Aaron Rodgers has become extremely injury prone. And as he get, gets up there in age, a 35-year-old quarterback, they're not going to fare too well. So I think that they're trying to shift the identity of the football team, even though most people thought that they would go with a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, I mean, like you said, 
looking at the 49ers and their run game and all the dynamic weapons they've had, uh, they they drafted a running back, Green Bay did. They took A.J. Dillon out of Florida State, and they already have two great running backs. I don't think anyone thought that they were going to try to bring in anybody to compete or supplement the run game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I mean, right. I think Aaron Jones was in a 1,000-yard rusher last year, You know, great at catching passes out of the backfield when Jamal Williams wasn't in. And even when he did get time on the field, he was in there for mostly third down situations and he was very solid for them. He had that concussion early on against Philadelphia. But other than that, I mean, he was, he was there for the majority of the season. So I think that, like you said, Matt LaFleur is just trying to get some weapons in there. They're not trying to rely on Aaron Rodgers in the past game. He doesn't have to be that guy anymore, just chucking it down the field, slinging it like Favre did. And they're just going to try to spread the ball around, run the clock out and rely on efficient football to win them games. And I don't know if that's the strategy to win their division, but it looks like that's what LaFleur wants to do. Right. And I think that it's important to notice that in the NFL today, it's not always about having the best wide receivers. I mean, the best wide receivers today, Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, the last time the Texans and the Falcons made a deep run in the playoffs, it's been a few years. Right. I it's all about having the best wide receivers and and even in that sense Devontae Adams is no joke he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league he's a great wide receiver he has Aaron Rodgers has a great weapon um he has other great supporting casts like Lazard on his team um and I think that there's you know there's not any more excuses that Aaron Rodgers can make now I feel like it's now or never the Vikings are a little bit depleted after free agency a bunch of their defense left the Lions did not get substantially better through the draft. And the Bears still are, have QB controversy between Mitchell Drabisky and now Nick Foles. So I think that the Packers really don't have any excuses. Um, but with the pick Jordan Love, I feel like Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's not threatened that his job is in jeopardy at all. He's one of the all-time great quarterbacks. He can still play at that very high level. But I feel like he's just a little bit disrespected. The fact that they went out and got a first-round pick quarterback now, when Aaron Rodgers is still healthy and he's still able to perform, I feel like he just thinks that it was a little disrespectful that maybe there's whispers that Aaron Rodgers has lost it because the Packers haven't been good in the playoffs this year in the past few years. The Packers did make it to the NFC Championship, but they were not a very good team. They, they were a fraud. A lot of their people that they played were – you know, very easy schedule, very easy schedule teams. I don't think that they were very good last year, as good as their records showed that they were. So I just feel like Aaron Rodgers might be feeling a little disrespected right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even when uh, it's kind of similar to, like you said, the Favre situation. I mean, they bring in some young kid first round pick. Uh, Favre was at, he was still performing at a very high level, being able to throw 30 plus touchdown seasons. So bringing him in, bringing a guy, I mean, I'm sure that there's a, there's a little bit of, I don't want to call it hatred, but I mean, there's definitely a little bit of anger towards his, uh, towards his coach there and towards the organization, bringing in somebody to either compete with him or at least be a threat in the QB room. And like you said, that he could still compete at a very high level. He does have the weapons there and their division is not, I mean, it's not the best. I mean, I, I would say it's probably average in the league. Detroit's still a mess. They did improve through the draft. I thought Detroit had a pretty good draft there, but they mainly drafted on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that they're going to compete with Stafford there. Uh, like you said, there's questions with Trubisky. 
at the QB position with Foles coming in. I still think that organization's a mess. And Minnesota did get worse in their offseason. So it's still their division to take. And I think that's what Rodgers' opinion is right now. It's He's the guy, and I would I would be offended if I was him. I don't think he's a happy camper exactly. there. Exactly. Um, but I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll have to see. Maybe it'll spark something in Aaron Rodgers where he finally is able to take control of the team. And it always seems like Aaron Rodgers is creating a little bit of drama, um, especially with the whole Mike McCarthy situation. When he left, people thought that they might have had bad terms. Um, but, you know, you need to take control of your team. Like Drew Brees takes control of the Saints. Tom Brady, when he was on the Patriots, he took control. He was the leader on that team. I feel like Aaron Rodgers really needs to fill that role and uh, become the leader of the team so that they can work better together and, you know, make an, make a great run and possibly make the Super Bowl. The NFC is all up in the air. Bunch of good teams. The Packers are definitely one of them. Um, so, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how that'll play out. Yeah, I mean, it's a case of tough love there. I mean, maybe that's the, maybe that's the push Rodgers needs. Who knows? Maybe LaFleur knows, and LaFleur clearly knows him better than anyone else does. No one, no fair weather fans going to be able to tell you what, uh, what the organization's thinking, but, um, maybe it, maybe this is, uh, the push Rodgers needs to finally get them back to the Super Bowl. Right. Right. We'll see. Moving on to the next topic. The Indianapolis Colts, in my opinion, had one of the best drafts out of all of the teams. Absolutely. They didn't have a first-round pick. And in the second round, got Michael Pittman in a pick from the Redskins and got Jonathan Taylor in a pick from the Browns. In the third round, got Justin Blackman. And in the fourth round, were able to land a QB, Jacob Eason, that could be the heir to Philip Rivers once his career is done in Indianapolis. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, no first-round pick, but, geez, they really did make those second, third, and fourths count. I mean, in my opinion, we had talked about this last week. I thought Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the draft class, I mean, by far. And him falling to the second round, you know, some people thought that uh, that he wasn't, you know, second, third-ranked running back in the class. But, I mean, that's a steal there, in my opinion. And getting Michael Pittman, too. He's a very solid weapon for Phillip Rivers there to supplement the pass game. He'll complement T.Y. Right. Hilton very well. And Jack Doyle's still there at the tight end position. So Phillip Rivers has a bunch of weapons there. And then Eason. Everyone was uh, thinking Patriots could have gone QB. There were rumors that Eason could have gone to the Pats. But, I mean, he falls down to the fourth, and the Colts capitalize on that opportunity taking him. I absolutely would have done the same thing. It's Rivers' show this year, but in a year or two, who knows what his arm's going to be like. And I think that they're pretty well in place to compete for their division this year as well and for years to come with that Eason pick. I agree. I mean, I think Jacob Eason is very raw. I don't think he's ready. If they threw him in right now, which they wouldn't because they just got Phillip Rivers, but just for argument's sake, if they threw him in the ringer right now, I think that he would struggle very much. Oh, yeah. I think Jacob Brissett is still a better option right now. But in a few years, Jacob Eason is a fantastic pick. He could pan out to be amazing. Um, you know, he has the arm strength and he has the talent for it. Um, and it's a great pick, especially getting that in the fourth round. Absolutely. I can't believe that he dropped. And like you said, Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people 
especially you and I, we had him in the as a first round. He could be a late first round pick, and he definitely was the best running back in the class. He wasn't drafted as the best running back in the class, um, but I definitely think that he has the talent to be that. And now the Colts have Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, a one-two punch with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. And they have Naheem Hines on the team. They are loaded in the backfield. Their wide receiver core is now T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman. I think that that's amazing. What worries me is that T.Y. Hilton hasn't had – he hasn't played a full season in years. I mean, he's so injury-prone that it's – you know, they they may need to rely on Michael Pittman a lot more than they thought they – that that even he thinks that they may need to rely on him. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, like you said, T.Y. Hilton, everyone three or four years ago, you know, would have been regarded as a, you know, top 10, top 15 borderline wide receiver in the league, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Granted, while he has right. been in there, uh, he did have Andrew Luck for one season uh, in the in the past few seasons, right before he retired. They were getting some mojo going that they used to have back in the early 2010s. But for the most part, like you said, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. So Pittman might be getting more work. And Zach Pascal, too, down the stretch last year, he he was very good. He ended up having, I think, over 600 yards and five touchdown catches. And that all happened in the back half of the season. So he really started blooming there. So between Hilton, Pittman, and Pascal, those are three very solid weapons at the wide receiver position. And Phillip Rivers doesn't have to do too much with that backfield. I mean, Marlon Mack rushed over for rushed for over a thousand yards last year. The only the only thing right. is the reason why Taylor fell, I think, is because of the pass catching element out of the backfield. He wasn't regarded as one of the best pass catchers. That's why DeAndre Swift went higher than he did. So uh, I don't think they're going to be doing too much out of the backfield in terms of the pass game. They're going to have those weapons on the outside. Philip Rivers is going to be able to work his magic, throw it down the field. I just think it was an unfortunate situation with that offensive line in L.A. last year. They just didn't give him enough time to get the ball out to his receivers. You saw you saw when he did right. have a decent offensive line. I mean, with Keenan Allen and the weapons that he had in L.A., he was putting in great work, putting up big yards like he always did. So I think he'll come back to form here with all of the uh, weapons that got him in the draft. And uh, they're going to make a real push here in, the, uh, in their division. I mean, competing against the Texans and the Titans and the Jaguars. I mean... I don't think that any of those teams are really, really clear cut better than them. I think that they could end up top in the division and I think they could win it. I agree. And I think it's also interesting to look at. I mean, if you look at the, like you said, the Colts offense, the three wide receivers that they have right now, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, and Zach Pascal, three great weapons along with Phillip Rivers who can still sling it. If you look at the rest of the AFC South, The Texans, their secondary is old and slow. The Jaguars, they lost everyone. Jalen Ramsey's gone. Their whole secondary is gone. The only team that I would be worried about is the Titans. The Titans have an all-pro in Kevin Bayard. They have Kenny Vaccaro and Malcolm Malcolm Butler all in the secondary. That is going to give the Colts a little bit of trouble, but I don't think that it's enough to stop them. I do not think the Titans' defense is enough to stop them. And and then again, like we said, with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, those two running backs combined is just two more weapons for Phillip Rivers to have at his disposal. And the Colts, I think, have the best offensive line in football. The best, 
young offensive line in football too, which is awesome because Phillip Rivers, when he was in with the Chargers, he never had that offensive line. He had decent players on his offensive line. He had Pouncey on his line, but he never really had a great offensive line. Now he inherits one of the youngest and the best offensive lines in football, and I think that that's just a recipe that can make the Colts win the AFC South with competition from the Titans. I do not think the Texans are going to be that good this year. I think they'll be average, um, and I think the Jaguars might be the worst team in the league. Yeah, I mean, I I would completely count the Jaguars out. Sorry, Jacksonville, but there's just too many questions surrounding the team. I mean, the rumors about Leonard Fournette wanting to leave, and like you said, their secondary's gone. Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye both out. So there's nothing there really that is sort of uh, star-studded. I mean, Minshew's their QB. He had an okay year last year for a rookie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that the Jaguars have any star power or firepower to be able to compete with any of these other teams. And I think the Texans have too many questions around them too. Uh, their line's still a little shaky. And I think that they got worse on the offensive side of the ball, at least at the receiver position. And I think Tennessee and uh, Indianapolis, I mean, a lot of people would probably have Tennessee as the favorite to win the division. I think that they're very similar teams. Competent QBs, Phillip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill, great running backs, Derrick Henry there, and now uh, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. And then the wide receivers for Tennessee are pretty decent as well. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Adam Humphreys, they're all competent weapons. And Jonu Smith's are booming at the end for them for, at the tight end position. He's a big guy that can go up high point the ball in the red zone. So I think that they're going to have some pretty good games. I would love to, I love to have a prime time game for Tennessee and Indianapolis coming out of the AFC South. Definitely. Definitely. And just to branch off that really quickly, the Jaguars did not pick up the fifth year option on Leonard Fournette. I think that's very interesting. I think there might be a trade imminent. Um, and I think that, you know, Jacksonville is kind of clearing house, they're resetting, you know, they're trying to get back to neutral. And I think it's good because I don't think that they can't compete this year. So might as well get it, get as much draft capital as you can see what you can stockpile, like what the Miami dolphins did and then draft properly and, and get good players out of that. I think that that's the route that they should take, um, in terms of Leonard Fournette. Who knows where he can go? There's a bunch of teams that could use a running back, especially at the value that they can get for him. I think Jacksonville may only get a third-round pick for him. I don't think he's worth that much more, especially when they know that he doesn't really want to be there because they're not contenders. And Leonard Fournette is a top running back in this league still. And he can catch the ball, which is very rare. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see what his value is going to be considering there's a lot of free agent running backs on the market. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, he was still a competent back for the Chiefs last year. He's very good at depth. Devonta Freeman, I mean, there's some injury questions with him too, but he could still run. And Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde just got kind of kicked out there from Houston after the David Johnson acquisition. So there are some, there are some decent running backs still out there in free agency for these uh, running back needy teams. So it'll be interesting to see what Fournette's value is in the coming months. Definitely. Switching gears a little bit, let's take it to the AFC East. The New England Patriots, Tom Brady left in the offseason. No one saw it coming. Some people did, but it was very likely that he was going to still be a Patriot. They shipped him off. This is kind of similar. Let me paint you a little bit of a picture here. The New England Patriots, they had Tom Brady forever. It's like you're dating somebody. You date somebody forever. 
and then they leave. And you think, oh, it wasn't me. It was them. They're the problem. I wasn't. That's how Bill Belichick views the Patriots now. Tom Brady left, and Bill Belichick thinks, oh, we can do it on our own. We have Stidham. We bought him Brian Hoyer. The team is good enough. We have enough weapons. Our defense is elite. We can do this on our own. But they didn't address the needs that they had in the draft. They traded their first-round pick. They got out of the first round. And then they drafted a safety, Kyle Duger, from Lenore Ryan, a Division II school. They drafted a safety. Now, granted, he is good. He can play. He hasn't faced the Division I talent that other players had. They're secondary in Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung, both safeties 32 years old. It's important to remember that they're trying to get a little bit younger, but it's not exactly what they needed. Their defense is elite. Their defense is championship material right now. I don't understand why they didn't go on offense to try and bolster that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see what Belichick and his crew are going to do. Belichick clearly seems to have confidence in Stidham at the moment. Everyone thought that they were going to go QB in the draft, and there's still rumors that they might somehow try to acquire a quarterback either through trade or pick somebody out of free agency. Who knows? But I also address the wide receiver position. I mean, Julian Edelman's a very competent wide receiver, but that Muhammad Sanu acquisition at the end of the year, he did stretch for them. He wasn't nearly as productive as he was with New England when he, or excuse me, he wasn't nearly as productive as he was in New England than he was with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, and I wouldn't say Matt Ryan's any better than Tom Brady. I mean, I thought that the offense would have been set up for Muhammad Sanu to do very well. Granted, they still have a very decent run game there with Sony Michelle and James White, Rex Burkhead. That's still a very solid running backfield. But still, they did not address the wide receiver position. They didn't go after the skill guys. The only position that they did address was Gronk leaving, and they drafted two tight ends with Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. But I don't know how much of an impact that they're going to make. Patriots have used the two tight end offense in the past, but I have no idea what their production level is going to be, be like in this new uh, new Belichick-era offense. What you- right. And, and it's important to see that, you know, these tight ends, he might be stockpiling them, but he's brought in a bunch of old tight ends. Benjamin mm-hmm. Watson, he brought him in. How did he do? Not well. Not, not great. He thinks that he can bring in tight ends and they'll be the next Gronkowski. Gronkowski is one of a kind. You can't replace Rob Gronkowski, and he's been trying to do so every year because Gronk is always out for one or two games a year. He's not healthy every single year, and then he retired, and who did Tom Brady have to pass to? The only person that's reliable on that team is Julian Edelman, and even he is getting up there in age, and he is now the only one left in New England. At that wide receiver position, I don't think that there's enough talent on that offense that can actually go out and compete with other teams in the AFC. That defense is elite. What they're trying to do, in my opinion, what Belichick thinks is going to happen this year, is they're going to try and design a team that can rely on its defense to carry them the whole way and then just have mediocre offense. They're trying to hold their opponents to about 10 to 17 points 
every week and then rely on the offense to just do a little bit more than what the other team did to win the games. Now, that might work, but that's only if the defense performs at the same level that they did last year. And the problem is that Kyle Van Noy is gone. They lost some of their major defensive pieces to other teams in free agency. I just don't think that the Patriots drafted smart. They drafted defense. Okay, their defense is very good right now. Their offense is what needs the most help. Yeah, and like you said, I don't know if they're going to be able to compete at the same level defensively as they did last year. I mean, like, think about these opponents here, these good offenses that they're going to have to go up against. Kansas City, Houston, the Chargers, the Rams, the Broncos now, which is an interesting thing, seeing that they went out and got two receivers in Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, both great weapons for Drew Locke. And then Arizona. Their offense is very good. And then San Francisco and Baltimore. I mean, that's extremely tough. Very, very difficult. difficult. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop or these teams, and they're not going to be able to have that points against per game stat, that lowest in the league. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. They're just not going to be able to compete right. as well with these star-studded offenses coming in this year. Definitely. I agree. Moving on. Next topic, Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles in the second round. Kind of shocked Twitter. Twitter was all over it. Yeah, what they, do you what, think? What they call it, the uh, QB factory there. Isn't that what their GM called it, the QB right. factory? Uh, I mean, it's court, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a situation with uh, Jordan Love and Green Bay. I mean, they're definitely deeper at the position. And uh, rumor has it, I mean, they're going to try to implement Jalen Hurts into the uh, – into the game there they're going to try to get them in for a couple of snaps like how Lamar Jackson went in with Joe Flacco and the Ravens in sort of that transition year but it's a surprising move considering Carson Wentz is he seems to be their guy they just signed a huge contract with them so I don't I don't know what the organization's thinking there I think Jalen Hurts is a good talent I just don't know if it's the right fit I'm going to disagree with you on that I think that the Jalen Hurts pick was one of the best picks in the whole draft. And I'll tell you why. Jalen Hurts in 2019, when he played at Oklahoma, passed for 3,800 yards and 32 touchdowns. He did unbelievable. He had a chip on his shoulder. Alabama thought, hey, we have Tua. We're good. We don't need you. Jalen thought, okay, I'm going to go to Oklahoma. And he did very well, made it to the college football playoffs. Jalen Hurts is great talent. He could have slipped into the first round. He could have. If a QB, if there were more QB needy teams, he could have. Carson Wentz cannot stay healthy. He has not been healthy for his entire career. In all of the playoff games the Eagles have played in, Carson Wentz has completed only one pass. He hasn't been healthy at all. Jalen Hurts is definitely going to play this year. Whether that be two games or three games, he's definitely going to play because Carson Wentz is not healthy. He cannot stay healthy. He never has been able to. I think that if you're able to get a good backup QB for a second-round pick that could later turn into your starter, then that's a great pick. If a QB goes down like Carson Wentz did in their Super Bowl year, they needed a competent backup. They had Nick Foles. Nick Foles had played with the Eagles before. He was drafted by the Eagles. He was familiar. You have Jalen Hurts. You bring him in now. He's great talent, and he can win you some games. Your team is only as good as your backup QB if your starter goes down. 
You cannot just rely on running the ball once your starter goes down. And I think that Jalen Hurts will be able to fill the role and he'll be able to win the games that he needs to. He'll be able to do his job for the, for the small games that he needs to come in and play. Because I can guarantee you right now, Carson Wentz is not going to play all the games this season. He's too injury prone. And I think that spending a second round pick on a QB that's going to get you a few wins is very important, especially in the NFC East. When you think about it, the Giants, not in playoff competition this year. The Redskins, definitely not in playoff competition. But when you look at the Cowboys, they upgraded. They got C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. They even have, they have Zeke on contract. They didn't sign Dak yet, which puts a little bit of pressure on them. But it, it also incentivizes him to perform because look Andy who's Dalton. behind him now. Andy Dalton. Exactly. Andy Dalton's behind him now. So they're all in. The Cowboys are trying to make a run this year. And I think that the Eagles have a great security plan just in case Carson Wentz goes down, which is going to happen again. I hope it doesn't, but it's going to happen. And when Jalen Hurts steps in, they'll be able to win a few games. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia this year, I mean, I don't think that there's any question that they're the favorite to win the division. And like you said, it's a great insurance policy. I just don't know if it's the right fit. But it is a good insurance policy by the organization to go out and get Jalen Hurts because, like you said, he is very injury prone. Carson Wentz is. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy for the full year. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts is definitely going to get some playing time. And I think that the Cowboys and the Eagles are in a very similar situation. They're deep at the QB position now. They're going to have two guys on each team. They're going to be able to come in and win games. And they all have weapons now. Look at what Philadelphia did. Everyone was in an uproar because they didn't go out and get Justin Jefferson, but they got Jalen Rieger. He's essentially Deshaun Jackson 2.0. Dude can fly, ran a 4-2-4 at his sort of pro day, like his virtual one that he held. Uh, I mean, they still have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz there, and they went out and got some more speed with Marquise Goodwin from the Niners. I mean, I think that's an Olympic track guy right there, right? Like he, he's a sprinter for the USA team. At least he had the times to do so. So there's no excuses this year for the Eagles. I mean, they did make the playoffs last year with uh, some guys off the street playing, playing wide receiver for him. I still think that Carson Wentz is a top half QB in this league. I still think that his arm talent is very solid with the weapons that they have. I mean, I think that they're a 10 plus win yeah. team team there so right and if if you look at it too last year the new orleans saints drew Brees went down they had a competent backup come in teddy bridgewater played five games won five games threw for 1300 yards and nine touchdowns unbelievable they had a great backup plan he beat he went to seattle and beat them he did an amazing job it's all about having a competent backup that can come in and win you a few games if your starter happens to get injured, which does happen a lot in the NFL. Even the Chiefs. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes went down last year. Matt Moore filled in. He didn't do as well, but still, Patrick Mahomes went down last year, and they still made it to the Super Bowl and won. They, you need to keep the ship afloat even if something happens, and I think that that's what happens when they went out and got Jalen Hurts. Was it a reach? Maybe, but if you can spend a second-round pick on the QB that could potentially turn into the future after Carson Wentz is done, God forbid something happens to him, then I think that it's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you could uh, get your potential 
guy for the future for a second round pick. I think it's a no brainer. So we'll see how it works out. I think we know that he's going to come in at some point, regardless if Wentz is injured or not. Maybe the fans are unhappy with the pick right now, but he might be their saving grace down the stretch when, uh, when old Wentz has a little, uh, has a little leg bug and has to sit out a couple of weeks. He might, uh, he might be the guy to save their playoff hopes. He could be. And I guess we'll see. I, I, my prediction, I do think that the Eagles are going to do well. Um, and I think that they are going to win the NFC East. I think that the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. I think they're too talented. I think Dallas is a little dysfunctional right now. Even though they do have the weapons, it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be the same as last year. Last year came down to the last week. Dallas and Philly were battling it out. They were trying to see who's going to win the NFC East. If the Eagles can stay healthy, they're going to win the I NFC I agree. East. But I think Dallas is going to give them a run for their money. At least they're trying to. I mean, they're trying to shake up the organization. Jerry Jones wants to turn them around now. They want to get back into sort of this top-tier winning culture, winning the division. So Mike McCarthy has uh, he has his work cut out for them there. They definitely have some weapons, and I think that they did pretty – pretty well in the draft but uh yeah it's definitely going to be those two competing for the uh the nfc east title let's move on to our next topic love and hate draft moves there were a bunch of different moves a bunch of shocking moves this year in the draft it was a great draft i think that roger goodell and the whole nfl organization did an amazing job it was seamless everyone was worried that oh it's not going to work people the video conference isn't going to work it's going to create too many problems but i think that they did a great job um and i think that a bunch of teams made surprising picks a lot of players fell and teams were able to take advantage of that so if you want to start us off who was your love of the draft which team do you think made great picks and who was that well there are a lot of teams that i feel like had pretty solid drafts but i'm just going to go pick specific here and i'm going to do a little hometown bias i love chase claypool to the pittsburgh steelers when you talk about a guy who is the embodiment of an organization it's chase claypool big guy six four tough kid smart guy coming out of notre dame I think he's going to be plug and play for the Steelers. They definitely needed an upgrade at the wide receiver position. He lined up at tight end for Notre Dame too. I mean, guy ran in the four fours at his size. That's so that's that's unheard of. Now there is some question sort of his run after the catch ability because of his size. It takes a lot to get him going after he's you know coming in and out of his breaks and once he high points the ball. But still, at least in the red zone alongside guys like Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. I think that the the Steelers red zone offense at the very least was upgraded and he'll be a great weapon for big Ben. Definitely. He loves those big weapons. Remember when Martavis Bryant was on the Steelers? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He stretched the field. Big Ben has the arm to get it, to get that big throw downfield. And I think that this, that's a perfect pick for them. I agree with you. My love, for the draft this year, my the best pick that I think happened um, in the later rounds was J.K. Dobbins going to the Ravens and Patrick Queen going to the Ravens. Two huge pickups for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins running back out of Ohio State, unbelievable talent, top three running back in the draft, arguably could have been the second running back taken, um, and he will fit perfectly with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, that team is just 
running all the way. Lamar Jackson, running. Mark Ingram, running. They even have RG3 on the team who can run. So I think you add J.K. Dobbins, another stellar running back, onto the team. I think that that is unbelievable, especially since Mark Ingram, he's getting a little bit older. So you'll have J.K. Dobbins for the future. And Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU, another great pick. He has the talent that was early second round, late first round talent. And he fills the void that C.J. Mosley left last season in the offseason. The Ravens haven't been able no. to fix that hole. The Jets got C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley's a little bit old. He didn't play very much for the Jets last year. And the Ravens haven't been able to fill that hole. They picked up L.J. Fort from Pittsburgh, but he's not that great of a player. He's a good role player, but he's not the linebacker that C.J. Mosley was. And I think that they got a great pick out of yeah, I mean. Queen. I think uh, I think the Ravens honestly had one of the best drafts, if not the best draft class, up there with the Colts. Uh, that run game is absolutely stellar, like you said, and I think that's the identity that they're going to go with moving forward. They're not going to depend on Lamar Jackson to pass the ball. They're going to wait until defenses have to figure out how to stop that run with Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, and now J.K. I mean – that's a stud backfield right there. They have the offensive line to protect them. I think that they're just going to play smash mouth football. They're going to run it down your throat and they're going to rely on their defense to, to keep, uh, to keep offenses off the field and they're going to run the clock out on you. Now let's move on to the draft picks that we think might've been reaches or not great picks for the teams. In my opinion, it was Isaiah Simmons going to the Arizona Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons is an unbelievable athlete. He can play all over the field. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. He can play corner. He's totally versatile. The problem is that they did not address a glaring hole on that team, and that is filling the offensive line problem to protect Kyler Murray. They just got a brand-new weapon in DeAndre Hopkins. In the draft, there was only one of the four first-round offensive tackles taken before the Arizona Cardinals were even on the clock. Andrew Thomas went to the Giants. They could have taken so many other offensive tackles, but they didn't. They took Isaiah Simmons. They took the best player on the board instead of filling a need that they had. And I think that they should have gone with offensive tackle. Isaiah Simmons is going to be a great player for them. He's going to bolster that defense, especially since they whiffed on the Hassan Reddick pick out of Temple a few years ago. They just declined his fifth-year option. The only stud player on that defense right now is Chandler Jones, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated outside linebackers in the NFL right now. Patrick Peterson's getting a little bit old. So I think that they did fill a need in on the defense, but it wasn't the biggest need on the team. They went out and got an offensive tackle in the third round. He'll be, eh, no one really knows. But if you were able to draft a first-round offensive tackle for the team, you could protect Kyler Murray, give him enough time to pass through Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, and that team would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about he that? said it before the draft. If you're drafting him, you get, I think, three three positions or three extra roster spots on your team. So I definitely think that he's a good talent coming out of Clemson. But like you said, Kyler Murray's going to be running for his life back there, trying to get the ball out to his weapons like he did last season. I mean, I just think that they should have addressed the need. And like you said, that there were a few tackles on the board. I mean, 
how could you resist? I don't know how Cliff Kingsbury resisted taking Makai Becton. Big dude, six foot seven. Monster. That would have been a great position to address, especially at left tackle, protecting Kyler Murray's blind side to chuck it down the field to DeAndre Hopkins. But I mean, still a, a solid talent there. I think a lot of teams went with the uh, the talent route and the value route, at least in their mind, or for what they thought that they could get for that pick. But I definitely thought with a top-tier pick like that and such a needy offensive line team, they definitely would have tried to take somebody on the O-line side of the ball. Definitely. And there's a bunch of teams that needed offensive line. You know, there's there's look at the Houston Texans for Right, and that's, uh, that's uh, where I think my my hate pick comes in for Ross Blacklock in the second round. I think that they could have traded up to try to get an offensive lineman. And I think they should have, they only have Laramie Tunsil there. He's a fine left tackle, but I still think that they could have tried to address that side of the ball as well. Deshaun Watson's still running for his life back there. I think that he had one of the worst pass protecting units in the league last year. And he'll be doing the same thing. Kyler Murray's going to be doing. I think Ross Blacklock's a decent talent. I just don't like the fit of the pick. I don't think the Texans are in that much of a position to win. Why would you have gone D tackle and that you should have tried to upgrade your offensive line to even give them a chance for Deshaun Watson to have some time back there. And they took an offensive tackle in the fourth round out of North Carolina, but I think the draft grade on him is that he's going to be a nice depth player. He's a project guy for them. I just think it was a little bit of a stretch for Bill O'Brien trying to take a defensive tackle at the number 40 spot. I agree. It is a little bit of a stretch. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the Seattle Seahawks. You have Russell Wilson, a very mobile quarterback. You give him average to above average weapons. He has Tyler Lockett, and now he has DK Metcalf. I mean, Deshaun Watson, he still has Will Fuller. He has Kenny Stills. They just brought in Brandon Cooks. But the problem is that neither of them have an offensive line. Russell Wilson makes magic every play, every game. He makes magic. He's running around. He has the arm strength to make the throws on the run. He's unbelievable. Is Deshaun Watson yeah, that I mean, guy? I, I think only time will tell. I mean, he had a great year last year, and he definitely has the weapons around it. But Russell Wilson is a generational talent. I don't think that Deshaun Watson's been able to roll right. around and buy himself time back there nearly as well as Russell Wilson's been able to do. He is mobile. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he can stretch the he could stretch the field with his legs for sure. But I don't think you want to take that chance, especially with how young he is in his career. Just protect the kid. Give him some time back there to throw the ball. You have some speedsters coming out on the edge there. Even with the departure of Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me, you still have Kenny Stills. You got Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller, when he's on the field, I mean, six foot three can run that four three speed. I mean, just give the kid some time. Exactly. Absolutely. If you keep him upright, you'll keep him healthy. Moving on. Jameis Winston, signed by the New Orleans Saints. They both played in the same division. Winston was there for five years. He had his rocky start, ups and downs, his interception problems. I mean, it's going back to what you said, getting deeper at that QB position. I just don't don't think that – I don't want to say it's not the right fit, but he's kind of like, you know, uh, doesn't seem like the most responsible guy. You have Drew Brees there and Taysom Hill, who seem like just rock-solid locker room guys – 
always doing what's right for the team, always taking control. Jameis Winston wasn't that guy. He was a little lackadaisical in Tampa Bay. And he's sort of, uh, I just don't know if he's the locker room fit, but maybe it's what he needs. Maybe he needs that presence of Drew Brees there to be a mentor to him. What do you think? Right. He needs that. He needs to have someone teach him, you know, someone he could sip on. He was, when he Absolutely. was in Tampa, he was thrown into it. They were just like, here, here's, here's the key to the Ferrari. Go ahead, drive. And he's sitting there like, I just came out of college. I went to, I went to Florida State. I did, I, I had a good seasons there, but he wasn't prepared. Jameis Winston, he can sling it. He went 4,000 yards, 4,000 yards, 3,500, 3,000 yards, and last season went for passed for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Unbelievable. That's an unbelievable stat line. Yes. What we don't see is the 30 interceptions that he threw along with the 33 touchdowns. But besides that, you know that he can throw it. He can, he can throw the deep ball. He, he has the arm talent for it. And I think that the Saints, they paid him $1.1 million. They just signed Taysom Hill to a $7 million contract, and Taysom Hill barely throws the ball. He's more like, he's more like the Swiss Army knife of football players. You put him anywhere and he can play. But Jameis Winston, if Drew Brees happens to go down or he needs to take a game, game or two off so that by the time they make the playoffs, he's not exhausted, then I think that's a great great idea. Jameis Winston can definitely win you a few games, especially with all those receivers and all that talent down there, especially with Michael Thomas. I think that it's a great fit. They got him on a huge bargain deal, and they already know who he is. They, they've played him twice a year for five years. Like, they know what kind of a player Jameis Winston is right now. Yeah, so I mean, I if there's anybody that's going to be able to mentor Jameis Winston a little bit to at least get him to come down to earth or at least to get him to focus on football, it's going to be Drew Brees. I mean, like, talk about a locker room guy. He's the epitome of being just a true leader. And then, like like you said, in terms of his contract value of $1.1 million, I mean, he's by far the most talented third string QB, depending on where you want to put him on the depth chart, if you want to place him behind Taysom Hill, the most talented third string QB, I'd say maybe in the history of football. <laughs> I mean, like a guy that can throw <laughs> 5,000 yards and like 30 plus touchdowns. I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, Duck Hodges out of Pittsburgh or Mason Rudolph or any one of those guys is going to be able to come in and throw a uh, 30 touchdowns. So that's a great, like you said, a great depth signing for them. It's all upside, zero downside at $1.1 million. He has the opportunity to come in, to learn. And if he has to come into the game, you know he could play. He's a starter caliber quarterback. You know he could play. So, yeah, all upside pick or all all upside pickup for the uh, Saints there. Agreed. And you know what? Hopefully he doesn't have to come in this year. Drew B stays healthy and maybe he'll reach the elusive Super Bowl that's kind of been haunting him for the past few years with all these ref calls missed calls bad calls you know things haven't been going the saints way maybe they'll go their way this year with drew Brees. we'll wait and see on the last section here we got 10 minutes left on the line of course everybody knows we give our gambling advice who doesn't love to gamble um we're committed to the game so we're going to give you our gambling over and unders that we like for this season post-draft. So these are all lines, especially for myself. These are all lines given to me by DraftKings. 
Um, DraftKings is a great platform that you can gamble on sports betting in certain states, New Jersey, Massachusetts. It's, it's a wonderful thing, but all the lines were adjusted after the draft and Noah and I both created our own gambling over and unders that we like for this season. So let's get right into it. Um, Noah, your first for my first one, I'm going to take under 11 wins for the Baltimore Ravens. That's a plus money right now, plus 103 for under 11. I just, I just think that the Cleveland Browns got better, at least on paper. And I do think the Steelers with Big Ben back. I mean, the Steelers won eight games last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph sort of screwing around there at the QB position. So I think with Big Ben back, they did upgrade their offense with Eric Ebron and getting Claypool in the draft with Cleveland. I mean, they got Austin Hooper at the tight end position. Now they have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. They also have Najoku there at tight end as well. And their backfield's very strong. They have Kareem Hunt and they have Nick Chubb. That's at least an eight win team there. And then even the Bengals, you can't be worse than you were last year going 2-14. and 14. You can't be. I mean, I, I think the Bengals are nowhere <laughs> near ready to compete. But still, with the amount of talent improvement to all of the teams in that AFC North division, I just don't think that the Ravens are going to be an 11-win team. I think that they're going to be coming under that. They're, they at least have the opportunity to push on that 11. Definitely. I agree. I like that. Um, my First pick that I like is the New York Jets over six and a half at minus one ten. Now let me let me let me tell you this right now before everyone says, "Oh, the Jets are not that good." Sam Darnold can play. They still have Le'Veon Bell. They improved their offensive line, and they just they got rid of Robbie Anderson. He walked, but they just picked up another receiver, Mims, in the draft. So they definitely have some talent on that team. And they'll have a healthy C.J. Mosley for this season. And Quinn and Williams will be healthy for this season as well. They're improved on both sides of the ball. These are the opponents that the Jets have to play this year. The Dolphins twice. They'll win one of those. They play the Bills twice. They'll win one of those. They play the Patriots twice. They'll win one of those. That's three wins. Then they play the Raiders the Chargers, the Rams, the Broncos, the Browns, and the Cardinals. All of those games are very winnable for the, for the Jets. They're toss-ups, but the Jets have the talent. The Jets are now in the second year with their head coach, Adam Gase. They have the cohesion together, and they have the teamwork and the chemistry. I think that the Jets will be over 6.5 this year. I do not think that they're going to win the AFC East. But they're going to come in second. I think the Patriots are going to fall off, definitely. And I think the Dolphins, they're still in building mode. They may not even start Tua this year. They may let him sit. He's coming off an injury. They may just let him sit, go with another year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and see how it goes this season. They also have our stockpiled in the draft next year, too. So if they're able to get a high pick next year, they'll be in great shape for the future. So I like the Jets at plus over under six and a half. The line is minus one ten right now. Noah, what is another one yeah, of your before before we move on to that? I think your Jets picks very solid. Like you said, there's a lot of upside there. They didn't get the full season there with Darnold last year. So if he could keep himself healthy and they improve through the draft and in the offseason, I think it's a great pick. Yeah, and the Jets, yeah, the Jets they still won. won. 
a lot of games last year. I mean, Sam Darnold, he had mono. I mean, how often does that happen hey, to an NFL kissing, quarterback? kissing too many girls over there. In the middle of a season. That never happens. Moving on to my next one. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions under seven. Listen, I still think that the Matt Patricia experiment there, it's not going to work out. He hasn't won over six games there. And his two seasons there as head coach, he's been six and 10. And then the abysmal season last year at three and 12. They did improve to the draft, and Matt Stafford was injured last year. They got Okuda, and uh, they got DeAndre Swift through the draft. So, I mean, they upgraded their position. They do have carry-on back there as well, and their wide receiver core is very solid. They have Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and uh, Danny Amendola. Those are great weapons. But still, going back to the schedule piece that you had talked about, I mean, they have a tough, tough schedule. They have to play the Packers twice. I still think that they're a very solid team, and they're clear-cut better than the Lions. I think that the Packers will win both of those games. Between the Vikings and the Bears, I think that they'll split that. At best, they're going to go 3-3 three and three in their division. Then they have to play, in my opinion, the improved Tennessee Titans, the much-improved Colts, still very star-studded offense Texans. Then you have the Cardinals the Saints, and the Bucks. I don't think that with the teams I mentioned, I, I wouldn't pick them in any one of those games. They might win one. Seven is too high of a number for Patricia. He yeah. hasn't even yeah. surpassed six yet. If this is the very best team that they've had, I mean, maybe they'll go over seven, but just with their schedule this year and how shaky Matt Stafford's injury history has been in recent history, I don't think that they're going to go over seven wins so i'm going to take under at minus 115 right absolutely and, you know they lost darius slay they drafted they drafted jeff okuda with the with the third pick he's good talent who knows you know who knows how he's going to do in in the nfl you know it's a different level it's a different speed he played in the big 10 big 10's good but it's not the sec you know you have teams you have players coming out of the sec they're way better prepared than people coming out of the Big Ten. I think he'll be good talent, but he's not as good as Darius Slay. I, I love that pick. I don't think the Lions are going to be as good as, you know, people think. I think they're going to be worse. They're going to be one of the bottom two teams in that division, maybe the last if the Absolutely. Bears can figure I out totally the agree. situation. So my last gambling over-under I have is, and I don't know how this is possible, but I the Falcons over-under is seven. And I think that the Falcons are going to be over seven. I think the Falcons are going to be a great team next year. That division is very tough. I mean, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady now, you know, and the weapons there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, unbelievable. They fixed their offensive line problems. They're going to, they're going to be a, a solid team next year. You have the Saints who are always good, can never count Drew Brees out. And you have the Panthers who got Teddy Bridgewater, but that defense has so many holes in it, especially after losing Luke Kuechly. They're going to need – they're going to need some time. But if you look at the Falcons, they have to play the Lions this year. They have to play the Broncos, who, by the way, the Broncos, they did great in the draft. We didn't talk about that, but the Broncos did great in the draft. K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, unbelievable. They got great weapons from Drew Locke. The problem is that that division's extremely tough. The Chiefs are in that division, um, and, and it's just that division's extremely tough. And they're going to have some growing pains. I mean, Drew Locke didn't really get a full season last year. But they're going to have growing pains. So they play the Lions. They play the Broncos. They play the Raiders, who I don't think are going to be very good this year. They play the Panthers once, which they 
the they might split with the Panthers or they could sweep the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers are not going to be very good. They can beat the Bucks once. Um, let's say, for argument's sake, let's say the Saints sweep them. They have to play the Bears at home. That's a winnable game. They play the Vikings on the road, which they could always win. Their defense got a little bit better, and you know the Falcons. The offense is unreal still with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. They're still very good, and now they have Todd Gurley. They play the Chargers on the road. The Chargers, they still have QB controversy. Is Tyrod Taylor going to be that good? Nobody knows. He has good weapons, but nobody knows. He had good weapons in Cleveland, but you know he didn't do that great. He lost his job to Baker Mayfield. And the, finally, the Falcons play the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are pretty good. They have to play in Jerry's world, blah, blah, blah. It's the Cowboys. You never know. They can hit or miss. So, you know, I think that the Falcons can easily be over seven. Worst comes to worst, it pushes. But at, you know, minus 134, it's a little bit higher than the other over. Yeah, side. I totally I agree with that pick. How they're at seven, I, it's baffling to me. For a team after the bye week, that went six and two last year, and they didn't have a slouch schedule. The Saints, very solid team, and then Tampa Bay. I mean, no joke last no. year. I think Tampa Bay finished uh, seven and nine as well. So, and the Falcons. I mean, one game under five hundred after that abysmal start. So they finished the season extremely hot. They have something to prove there. They clearly didn't have the season that they wanted. They were the favorite to win the division last year, at least to come in second. So uh, I think that they're a very good value pick there. At over seven, I would pin them as an eight, nine win team at the minimum, as long as they can stay healthy. Definitely. And if everyone remembers, right. they beat the San Francisco 49ers last year at the end of the season when they were hot. That's an un- un- unbelievable. I think that's great. It's a friendly line. I think that the Falcons are going to go over seven. Going, uh, going back to the AFC, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. I do think that they're going to win the division and they're going to go over nine. I like that pick. I like that it's a flat number like that that they could push on. Look, their defense is still extremely solid. They're going to be the same type of team that they were last year, and they saw significant improvement in Josh Allen's past game. They did get Stephon Diggs, too. That's a great acquisition in the offseason to give him a weapon on the outside. He didn't really have a stud weapon before that to throw the ball to. I mean, he had John Brown. John Brown can stretch the field, don't get me wrong, but he's right. not a number one receiver by any means. And they do have a good backfield there. Uh, Devin Singletary, no. very competent rusher. Their offensive line still pretty good, and they're fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. I think Micah Hyde's a stud. And, uh, I mean, the Patriots, look at their division. That's really where I think that the value comes in. I think the Dolphins are still a work in progress. You know, definitely a better team, but I don't think that they're going to be playing Tua come week one. I think Fitzpatrick's their guy at least for this year. Uh, the right. Patriots, at least right now, I, you can never count Bill Belichick out, but right now I don't think their roster is nearly as talented as the Bills, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they do have a tough schedule. They do have to play the Niners. They do have to play uh, improved Steelers, and they have the Chiefs. But they have very winnable games with uh, the rest of their division opponents, with uh, Miami New England and the Jets. I think that they'll split, go four and two. That's uh, that's what I'll pin them at. They have the Broncos, they have the Cardinals, and they have the Chargers and the Rams. I think that they could win all of those games. And their tough ones are when uh, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and San Francisco. I mean, 
if they split there, I think that's put, I think I have them right at 10 wins. So they're, they're hovering around that nine mark. Don't get me wrong, but I think that they'll edge it out, get 10 wins and win the division at that. I don't think that division is going to be very competitive. No, I agree. And um, I do think that the Bills are going to be very good. They all, all they did was upgrade. They didn't really lose anybody. Um, their defense is getting better. Offense got way better when they got Stefan Diggs. So it'll be interesting to see what will happen. But I do like that pick as well. Um, and then my last pick for this season um, would be the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go a little bit hot here. I'm going to go Minnesota Vikings under eight and a half. I think that they are not going – I think they might go 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, You know, they their defense is completely depleted. Their offense is all right, but they all they have is Adam Thielen. They have Dalvin Cook, too. Kirk Cousins is a good role player, but, you know, he's not a generational talent. He's nothing special. Um, so I think that they're going to need some help. And if you look at their schedule, it's not that easy. You know, you play the Bears twice. The Bears have a good defense. You know, that's going to give them some problems, especially in Soldier Field. Play the Packers twice. They may not even beat the Packers once this year. You play the Texans, who have a good offense. They have a very fast offense. And they and especially now that the Vikings lost Xavier Rhodes, they can get burnt over the top for sure. They play the Colts, who have great weapons. And then they also play the Falcons, the Panthers, who, you know, the Panthers are really not going to put up a fight. They play the Jags. That's a win for the Vikings. But Tennessee's no joke. Dallas is no joke. They play the Saints. They play the Seahawks. And they play the Buccaneers. Like, all of those teams have amazing weapons. They all have the number one top ten wide receivers in the league or or a top ten running back in the league. And I don't think the Minnesota Vikings did enough to improve that defense from all those free agents leaving. And they also lost Stefan Diggs, and they didn't really replace him either. So I think that, you know, it'll it'll be – It'll be nice to see, you know, how the Vikings do this year. You know, they, they did pick up Justin Jefferson in the draft. You know, he's a good player. He played at LSU. But then again, that entire team was unbelievable. The LSU Tigers had one player drafted, at least one player drafted, from every single position on offense and defense. It's just like that team was unbelievable. So it's like I, you. it'll be interesting to see how he plays, if he can fill in the shoes that Stephon Diggs you know, the, the role that it's now open for him. So I, I do think that the Vikings are going to suffer a little bit. I think Yeah, I like that pick too. I mean, that division, like you season. said, I think Detroit did improve a little bit. So that game will be a little more competitive. And the major point of emphasis is the Vikings just did not improve. They got much worse through free agency. And I don't think that they did anything in the draft to put them over the top or at least get them back to the caliber of team that they were at the end of last year. At the very least, Justin Jefferson fits the color scheme. He'll be able to transition very well with all of his gear. He could wear his LSU stuff around, being it's purple and uh, purple and uh, gold there. So, But uh, I do like that pick there. Well, that just about does it for us. Uh, you know, We thank you for listening this week. This is episode two of the On The Line podcast. We'll be doing a podcast every week. Um, and come... NFL time come August we'll be starting our fantasy football podcast it'll be a shorter podcast that'll be debuting every single week um, and check for it under our podcast link looking forward to next week